This is Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast, episode 35. I'm Cindy McMillan, and today's guest is Jasmine Jenkins. Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. Each week, join Cindy McMillan as she interviews coaches, spiritual explorers, and celebrants from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. Welcome back to Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast, and thank you for being here. This is a really special episode, and I am so pleased to introduce Jasmine Jenkins to the podcast. Jasmine Jenkins is an integrative grief guide and the founder of Fall Up, a community created to support people navigating the spectrum of grief. In her work, she brings her clients into the invitations within their grief journeys. Jasmine believes that healing is a co-creative process, and it is her deepest joy to support each person she works with in welcoming grief as a profound invitation to transformation. Welcome to the podcast, Jasmine. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you, Cindy. I'm so grateful to be here with you having this conversation. Thank you for the invitation. I want to say, and you're probably going to talk about it a little bit later, about your follow-up community, since I have joined that, and I feel so much gratitude to be in that community. Thank you for saying that. I'm so so grateful and glad to have you in it. It's a joy to have your spirit in the circle. Thank you. I want to start off with my favorite question, and that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? That's such a great question, Cindy, and I've been marinating on it. And to me, what exploring the seasons of life really, what that signifies is presence and holding everything with open heart hands. You know, seasons remind us that everything is temporary. And, and I think there's an invitation in the, in the re- reminding and in the remembering that everything is temporary to um, keep the hands of our hearts open and to let everything come and to let everything go. Jasmine, I love that, to let everything come and to let everything go. This is one of my favorite questions because everyone has a different perspective and everything, you know, people say just, just really resonates with me. That's beautiful. Can you walk us through your journey to becoming an integrative grief guide and maybe just talking a little bit what integrative grief guide is and what that means? Yeah, I'd be glad to. So integrative, you know, I chose to bring that into how I am seen in the world in my work, because part of the the work that I'm doing, a large part of it is remem- is, is reminding rather uh, my clients and the people that I'm blessed to support that grief is part of the whole. So we're bringing grief back into the whole. Grief is part of the whole experience of being human. And when we shut down on our grief, we shut down on life. So I'm bringing people back into remembering that grief is a universal human experience. And we stay alive and awake to life when we can honor 
and take care of our grief. So it's kind of a, a longer answer in terms of, I know you also asked about how I became a grief guide, but that is, you know, integrative is because we have, if you think of the grief process as a ceremony of sorts, you know, whatever grief it is that you are currently grieving, it's a ceremony and you can kind of close the metaphorical door at the end of whatever it is that you're grieving and close the door in your mind and close the door in your heart. Or you can say, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to live alive to the truth that because this is an invitation, I'm going to keep finding ways to integrate with this. If, if we're talking about grief as it pertains to death, I'm going to keep finding ways to integrate with this love. Or I'm going to keep finding ways, if it's a different transition, to integrate with how I need to take care of myself in new ways. So that's what I mean when I speak to actively integrating with grief. And what was your journey to becoming an integrative grief guide? Well, um, we only have so much time, so I will try to be as succinct as possible, but my journey, like many who are called to a path of service, was initiated by my own, you know, I had my initiation points. I lost my mom when I was 15, and then I lost my brother 10 years later, and it was really through the sudden and tragic death of my brother that I was brought into an awakening, and an awakening path of healing, and that was 11 years ago. And so I've been on the path of working through my grief since really I was 13 when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And when I arrived at the place several years ago, when I, through the healing work that I had have been so deeply committed to, when I arrived at the place where I was no longer burdened by my grief, I, I realized and really received that calling that I with the life that I am here to live, I am meant to serve people in healing their grief through a place of wholeness that I came to in my own grief and the act of integration with my own story. So it's it's the classic tale of healing the wound so that you can help others heal theirs. Thank you for sharing your story, Jasmine. I really appreciate that. This conversation today, and I know there's a lot of types of grief, but today I'd just kind of like to really touch on death and dying. So can we talk about the stages of grief? Yes. So the stages were pioneered by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and the stages of grief, you know, disclaimer here, you don't go through them in order. There's nothing about the stages that um, is linear, but the stages are in accordance to Um, what Elizabeth wrote in her book, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. You know, you can go in and out of them. Sometimes acceptance takes years. Sometimes it never comes. But denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are the stages of grief. And, you know, reminder to wherever you identify or however you identify and hearing those stages, um, if you are actively grieving or you are supporting somebody who's grieving, to remember that uh, grace is really important, as is gentleness in your grief journey, and to be kind to yourself if you are feeling particularly stuck 
to just let yourself be where you are and to, to remember as well that grief is not a thing to be rushed. It is a process and it is all about coming back into presence with life. And, and I like that you said that you go in and out of them over the course of time. I have certainly found that for myself. And I'm even wondering, do you ever skip one of these stages? Do people skip a stage or, or do they have those stages short periods of time? Well, one of the things that I teach is that everyone's grief is as unique as their fingerprint. So leading from that truth you know, your grief journey, Cindy, you know, you're in my motherless daughter's follow-up circle and your grief journey with your mother loss is completely uniquely yours in relation to every other woman who's lost her mother or who has a living mother who she has to, for various reasons, be separated from. But my point in, in mentioning the, your grief is as unique as your fingerprint is that everyone will navigate the stages in their own unique way. And to your question about, you know, some people maybe don't go through a stage or they skip a stage. Unfortunately, yes. And the stage that is often avoided is the stage of anger and the stage of really, okay, what do I need to do in order to accept this, in order to really allow for this to be true? Uh, You know, people come to me and hear the story, many different variations of the story. I lost this person 10, 20 years ago, and it's there's this sense of shame because they haven't had the courage or they haven't they've had a fear around how can how do I really accept this? They feel powerless in in the face of the perceived enormity of their grief. But anger and acceptance are the two stages from my vantage point that are unfortunately most often avoided. And I say unfortunately because you know we we have to we have to move through the stages in order to come more into the learning from grief, which is presence with impermanence. Anger is we get to create a new story with anger. You know, we get to we get to burn through things emotionally and energetically. And there's such a fear sometimes I'm going to get wrapped up in that emotion, but really you get to create something new with anger. So when we can reframe it as I'm not going to get lost in this, but this is, is an emotion that I can leverage to birth a new reality because obviously with every death, there's an invitation to rebirth. Then, you know, you can soften more into that stage and also remembering that these stages are temporary in the same way that you ask about seasons. And this is the theme for your podcast. These stages are seasons of grief too, if you want to think about it that way. That's a great way to think about it. Thank you, Jasmine. And the reason I was asking you that about do people skip the stage is I know that maybe people who are listening would be interested in that about those stages. On your website, you have an article you wrote for The Fullest, and you talk about the four invitations of grief. Now, I know that's your work that you have developed and designed. Um, Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So The Four Invitations is a spiritual download that I received in January of 2019. I'd asked for a simple sacred framework that I could use to support people in understanding how to navigate the inevitable 
challenges that come with grief. And so the, the four invitations, my core teaching is that grief is an invitation, growth and transformation. And the four invitations are elaborating upon that. And they're how you stay alive to integrating with grief as an invitation. And they, you know, some of my clients use them as a mantra. Some of my clients use them as a prayer. It, they're all about coming back into your heart because grief can take us out of our heart for a very, very long time. I'll just move through them in a, in a quick way because you don't have just being mindful of our time. The first invitation is the invitation to pause. So remembering that pause is a creative step back into presence and back into ultimately yourself. So much can happen since we are talking about the grief that is specific to death and dying. So much happens after you lose someone, you have a funeral, you have, you know, people to take care of, you have endless to-do lists to get things ready to be quote unquote, okay, temporarily. But the pause is what brings you back into your heart space, into your body. The second invitation is the invitation to breathe. Remembering that our breath is not just an anchor, but it is there to be leveraged as the technology that can support us in moving through, or if you are from, you know, if you're comfortable with the word alchemize or alchemizing the emotions that are true for your unique grief journey. So as we just touched on with anger, anger is often um, avoided in the grief process. People get, or people get stuck in it and remembering that our breath is there to support us through anger, sadness, anxiety, fear, so that we can continue integrating with the fullness of this experience and not shut down because we have unresolved grief. And then the third invitation is the invitation to do what most people avoid doing, which is to feel. <laughs> you know, it's it's time, and I say that with all the love in the world, and I am, you know, we're we're human feelings, human beings, but we feel so many different things every day. And grief is a complex, multi-layered emotional experience that so often we would rather say, eh, bring on the ice cream, I'll save, for the, save the grief for a few years from now. But when we can remember that feelings are just information about the state of our heart, we can use our breath and take it feeling by feeling and slowly start clearing through the heaviness and unburdening ourselves and our grief. Because, you know, the word grief, the etymology of it means burden. So as we embrace the invitation to feel, we're lightening our grief. We're lightening the heaviness of our experience. And then the fourth invitation is, you know, where you can really come into a place of creative expansion, the invitation to heal knowing that because your grief is as unique as your fingerprint, your healing journey is going to be uniquely your own. You know, you may find that circles are very supportive uh, for you and in honoring your grief and integrating with it and staying alive to it and moving through it. Or you may find a mo the modality of plant medicine or somatic emotional release therapy, just being kind to your heart and knowing that when we're in that active place of creation, embracing the invitation to heal, um, we get to expand instead of contract in our lives. And grief can 
you know, for a while or as long as we choose to allow it to keep us in a very contracted place. But embracing the invitation to heal is really the most self-loving thing that you can do in your grief story because we all need to heal. And we can't heal in isolation. We need to heal with each other and we need to heal in community and to be, you know, curious about, oh, I heard about this modality and I think that it could help me with the loss of so-and-so, you know? And letting it be fun too, Cindy. It's so it's grief is intense. It's so intense. And it can feel very isolating. It can feel sometimes like that. I don't know if you ever watched that old Disney movie in American Tale, but where a Fifel is like, he's like saying like somewhere out there. Do you know that what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like sometimes that's how grief can feel. Like somewhere out there is anybody else grieving. You just feel so alone in your story. But bringing that like sweetness like, yes, this is uniquely my story, but grief is universal. And I can lighten some of this by being kind to myself in my healing journey and not so serious, you know, like you can't, again, I said this already, but it's, it bears repeating, you know, we can't rush our grief. It is a, it is a sacred and holy process and it is truly for us. Um, It's not meant to shut us down. It's meant to open us up to life because we know that the whole the whole point of losing things, unfortunately, from a spiritual perspective, is that we come more into that place of surrender and we can be more open to love and more unattached and in turn more free while we're here in these physical homes that we're living in, these skin suits. <laughs> so Jasmine, you mentioned plant medicine. Now, are you talking about herbs and things like that to process your grief? So plant medicine, I was talking about psychoactive plant medicine. There's a whole deal okay. of plant medicine. I know you have interviewed shamans on, on exploring the seasons of life. So there's the plant medicine that I was talking about was psychoactive plant medicine. Having said that, you know, there are the plant medicine of flower essences, which are incredibly powerful for lifting the vibration, lifting some of the the burden that one can feel in the midst of particularly profound grief. But yes, plant medicines, absolutely not for everyone if we're talking about psychoactive plant medicine, but certainly um, there's a whole field there meant to support body, mind, heart, and spirit of those for whom you know they're meant to work with that modality. But plant medicine is not for everyone. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, all right. Can we talk a little bit about rituals? Do you use any specific rituals in your work? I do. Yeah. So I have pre-client and post-client rituals, which are all about fortifying my boundaries. You know, I work in partnership with the divine. It's not just me that is serving my clients. It's a divine process and I'm supported through the divine to hold space and to support um, those that I'm blessed to serve in their healing rituals in session, I always start as you're finding out with heart centering meditation, because the heart of the issue with grief is always the heart. It's always about, okay, I'm going to choose to come back in. I'm going to choose to come back into my heart. I'm going to use the invitation to pause and breathe, to bring me back into the feelings within my heart. Meditations are big. And like I, I just mentioned, flower essences, flower essences are they raise your vibrational imprint. 
And I don't know if you work with them at all, but there's a beautiful brand called Lotus Way based out of Arizona and uh, flower essences. I do recommend to some of my clients who are open to supplementary modalities. Very, very powerful, very potent. I mean, in as little as five drops a few times a day, you can really, with intentional session work, start to alchemize the grief. I heard you talk about flower essences on another podcast. And so I have just bought some actually. Amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm really happy to hear that. When I heard you talking about them, I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. I'm going to check that out. That makes me really happy. Yeah, there. I believe that, you know, God, the divine, whatever languaging feels expansive for you has given us all of the healing in nature and flower essences are absolutely part of the healing that is available to us. It's cumulative. And um, one thing I would say, Cindy, is in this theme of rituals, letting your taking of the flower essences be a ritual for your own healing. So bringing an intention, if you aren't already, bringing an intention to the dropper as you put them in your mouth. So I'm taking, She Katie has one called Clock Vine, and it's for open-heartedness and fearlessness. And so I bring that intention to, to the dropper when I, and I think that may support you, that mindset may support you and your um, integrating with that modality. Yeah, we'll do that. Set my intention. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now this question that I wanted to ask you, I'm not sure it's exactly the, what I'm trying to say, but how can we fully how can we live fully rather in the face of death? And maybe I'm even thinking after someone has died. Such a beautiful question. And, you know, we have to remember, I think there are two answers to this question. In the face of death, living fully in the face of death is living fully in the face of life. You know, I love it. It's that's, that's what it is. And if we're talking about in, you know, in the aftermath of a loved one's death, living fully in that is from, you know, my experience, it's taking care of our hearts is what is how we live fully in the midst of a deeply painful, agonizing loss. And I know you've gone through that with your mom, and I'm sure other people, and I'm sure people who are listening are going through that or have gone through that. And it's taking care of your heart is how we live fully um, through that grief. Because it is a very, very profound grief when we're dealing with that physical loss of a loved one. Um, I had, I think we all have those moments along our journeys where we have a particular thing happen and it just it creates a really indelible imprint. And I had this experience after my brother died and I went to his apartment in Boston to help his fiance at the time, you know, just clear everything out. And this woman, um, he lived in the back bay on those beautiful streets that have like those old lanterns. I don't know if you've ever been to Boston, but it like reminds you of Paul Revere and it takes you back in time. And this woman on, on his street had heard about what had happened to my brother. And so she came at some point, you know, it's all a blur, right? When we're dealing with the initial aftermath of death, it's a bit of a blur, but 
her her coming into the you know movie of the of my mind in that period was not a blur at all. It was very clear, and she came down kind of like hands waving, like you don't need to do this. You don't need to clean out his apartment. You don't need to let go of this stuff. And then went on to tell us how she'd lost her daughter years and years ago and how she'd never changed anything in her daughter's room. She was, and she was so proud of it. Like I've never, I've, you know, everything is the same since she passed and my heart broke for her in that moment. And I was just, you know, it was already broken because I, I lost my brother and, um, you know, whenever we lose a loved one, there's that heartbreak, but heartbreak, heartbreak. So, you know, always honoring my brother. But with this woman, it was just like, thank you for coming into my path and showing me how I will not ever let, like, I will not ever let myself become that way. And going back to people getting stuck in the stages, this woman and I believe in miracles. I hope she's had a miracle. This woman did not want to accept her daughter's death. And mm. she, from my vantage point, is not taking care of her heart. But she's stuck in time. It's like that old Mel Gibson movie, Forever Young, I think it was, where he's in a time. He's like frozen and then he comes. Did you ever see that movie? I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, yeah. It's old, but it's a gem if you ever um, want to watch an old Mel Gibson movie. But he he's like trapped in this capsule above ground. And then um, he basically like fast forwards into a world that he's completely unfamiliar with. And her experience is the opposite, where she's keeping herself in this time capsule because of her fear of who am I without my daughter, you know, Mm, that's powerful. Yeah, it was a really, so I send whoever that woman is today, I send her so much love and, and anybody who's, who may be in that place of, well, I'm just going to keep this thing and that thing and, you know, keep just being kind to yourself and noticing those tendencies and holding yourself in the light of grace because death teaches us to let go and and reminds us that we are only here temporarily. We are just passing through. Appreciate you going through that. And Jasmine, one of the things that is just, it's on my mind a lot. And that is why death is so hard to talk about. You know, it's, I know that we live in a death avoidance society. People don't want to talk about it. What, what is your take on that? Why, why, why is it like a secret? (laughs) Well, I think it's, it ultimately is frankly reflective of the fact that we forget that our souls never die. And our souls transcend this existence. So it's because we forget that we get trapped in this fear of, um, you know, losing this, the physical means that I am no more. Um, But that's that place of scarcity. And um, 
it's to me, that's what it comes down to. I believe that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And I believe that in this same way that when we were born, um, we came into this sometimes beautiful world. <laughs> when we die, we will have we will have an ushering into something so much more magnificent than we can ever conceive of. So it's trusting. It's we forget to trust, and um, we forget that there were souls in skin suits. We do forget. Do you think I'm asking you the right questions? Or is there something that really that I could be asking you that we could take us deeper? And I know that we're getting to the to the end of our conversation. I probably should have asked you that at the beginning. But is there something that I should be asking you? Well, I think we've I think we've gone pretty deep, Cindy. And I think that, you know, death, it just cuts into the depth of life. And we we can't talk about death and not be in a place of depth. So I think that I love your questions and so appreciate your intentionality. And I think, you know, the more that we can have these courageous conversations, the more that we can be alive to this human experience. It's not a question per se, Cindy, but I don't, are you familiar with Amanda Klutz? That name sounds familiar. Um, So she lost her husband, um, Nick Cordero, I believe is his last name, um, to COVID. And she, he is a a Broadway actor. And I believe she's also um, an actor. And my point in mentioning her is that in light of this question about death and why we have this fear about it and my answer that it's that we forget that our souls don't die she has had this really beautiful um IGTV where if you can take a moment and look at your index finger and your thumb and you know it's a few inches in between the two and she goes on to say that as a way of kind of providing solace to her in light of her recent widowhood, um, a friend had shared, okay, this much thumb and index finger. That is approximately the distance between a baby and the outside world when they're in the womb. And it's that much that separates us from really understanding what is beyond where we are now. It is such a thin veil. We just don't have the eyes to see it right now. And so it's, it goes back to that place of trusting and knowing that there is so much more beyond where we are and to be fully present where we are with our hearts um, and to know this is just a glimpse of what is beyond. So if you have time, I highly encourage you to check out that IGTV. It's from a couple of months ago, but it's really powerful to see it and to let that sink in. Like, it's just this much, you know? Just you talking about it. I I could actually feel that in my body Mm -hmm. and how powerful that was. Yeah. So, okay. Now you've talked about seeing that on, on the IGTV. What have you read or listened to recently that's just really inspired you? I love that question. And I'm always reading. I'm a, a pretty 
in, intentional introvert. That's how I recharge is through reading and listening to podcasts. And for the past few months, I, I've newly launched on a 12-step journey. So I come from a family of addiction and recovery and part of owning and integrating with that in my own life and the grief that is present with that is being a part of Al-Anon. And so I'm actually reading the book. Uh, it's Al-Anon's 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Um, it's so good and it's so simple and sacred and it's everything that I need right now. So it's sometimes it, as much as I like to go in the quantum realm, sometimes it's, it's sometimes the, the simple sacred that brings me back into exactly what I need to heal. So I'm a big proponent of the 12 steps. I think they provide so much healing and so much structure for broken hearts. And I'm very grateful to be in Al-Anon. Thank you. And the last thing that I would like to ask you is if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her about the season of life that you're in right now? I can't hear that question, Cindy, if you could turn back time and not think about that song, you know? Oh. It's a share song, right? Isn't that a share song? It, I, I'd have to look I'd have to look that up. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, it's it's a good song. Anyway, um Tell my 18-year-old self about where I am now. Is that the question? Um, my 18-year-old self, you know, it was three years after my mom had died. I was, I was, I had studied, I was studying abroad um, in boarding school. And I was kind of a, I was just kind of in a wild time in my life. And I would, yeah, I think I would tell my 18-year-old self to worry less about external validation and to be gentle with the feelings that are present um, and kind and to know that there is empowerment that comes when we feel our feelings. Because at 18, I was running away from my feelings, you know, three years prior, I was at my mom's graveside and I didn't want anything to do with feelings. And, and I would just tell her that it's all, it's all coming together in a beautiful pattern and to trust more deeply. Um, because as I'm sure you've experienced with your own mother loss, there's nothing like the loss of a mother to take you out of trust with life. And right. so, yeah, really, kind of putting my arm around her and telling her that, yeah, it's, it's all going, it's all going according to divine plan. And that going back to, you know, you have the power, you've always had the power and just let yourself come into that through your, through your heart and through your feelings. Jasmine, I have loved having you on the podcast. I mean, it's it's been wonderful. And you have been so, so inspirational and so insightful. And I really appreciate that. Can you tell the listeners how to find you, your website, social media? I'd be glad to. But firstly, thank you for having me, Cindy. I'm so grateful that you reached out. And thank you for having these courageous conversations. Um, it's so 
they're so needed in the world. And I'm honored to have been a guest um, and to have this conversation with you. So thank you. The best way to find me if you're interested in exploring one-on-one guidance or circles like you are a part of is through wefallup.com. So wefallup.com. If you want to find me on Instagram, just at Jasmine Jenkins on Instagram. And thank you for the questions. I appreciate that very much. And I'm, I will make sure all that is in the show notes. Thank you, Jasmine. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Cindy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life and my conversation with Jasmine. I loved having her on the podcast and she is a beautiful human being. I just finished my fourth week in her newest circle series, Fall Up Motherless Daughters, and it's truly been life-changing. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Leaving a rating and five-star review is the single best way to support the show. But what would also be so incredibly special to me is sharing an episode on your social media. That will help me get the word out, and I would really appreciate it. You can reach me via the website, CynthiaMacMillan.com, or to ask a question or leave a comment for a future show, email Cindy at CynthiaMacMillan.com. Until next time, live inspired.